Okay, we're going to start here on the top of Avon Aleph, four lines down. Mar begins, Tanya, Abba bin Yamin Omer. Now, Abba bin Yamin is already the author of a number of positions that we've seen before. The last one was that, Tanya bin Omer, Shnaim Shnech Nusulit Balel. Two people come to Davin, and then one of them leaves before the other, leaving the other one in a position where he feels uneasy. Abba bin Yamin now continues and gives us another memra about these mazikim. He says, Imalei. If people had the ability to see all these mazikim, these shedim that are around them, they would not be able to sustain themselves or be able to live with the knowledge of all these mazikim that surround them. Rabbi makes a statement that they are greater in number than us. And they surround us like a ditch or a ridge that is around the, whether it's the mound of the patch or the vegetable patch, or as Rashi describes over here, around the trees or the vineyard, when they used to create these hoed circles that come around them, the outer edge it was a ditch or a ridge around the outside, and that's what we're discussing over here. The idea mean that we're totally encompassed, totally surrounded by them. Each one of us has a thousand of them on our left side, vivuta mimine, and ten thousand on the right side, and that should ring a bell, and that's what you see in Mesorah Tashaz, Pasuk that's Ram Yosheh Beseter Elyon, Pol Mitzidcha Elif, Uvrava Minecha, that when Hashem protects you, a thousand will fall away from one side, and ten thousand from the other side, and that's the reference to these mazikin. Amarova, when a person comes to the Kala, which were the Shi'urim that were given before the Chagim, and there are lots and lots of people there, and you sit, each person sitting in the Beit Midrash has a seat, but yet, despite the fact that they have a seat, they still feel that they're in tight quarters, or that there's no room there. That's because of them. These Mazikim are making one feel a little bit claustrophobic in the situation. These knees that tire or fatigue, that comes from them, they wear you down. The clothing of the Rabbanon that wear down could be that they wear down faster than they should. It's from rubbing up against them. And those feet that are knocked or bruised come from them. So these Mazikin have an influence on us, they have impact on us, and especially since they are so numerous. If you want to be able to see them or to know that they're there, he should take some ashes and sprinkle them around his bed. In the morning, he'll see the footprints of a chicken that is left in this dust. If that's not enough and you actually want to see them, you should bring a placenta from a black female cat, the daughter of a black female cat, a firstborn female cat, that is the daughter of another firstborn female cat, and you take that placenta, you singe it, roast it in the fire, and then you grind it down, and then you place it into the eye, and then you'll be able to see them. And the remainder you should put in a metallic tube, and then seal it with a signet or a iron seal, because maybe these mazikim, these 
Shedim will come and steal it from you. You should close your mouth in order that you should not be damaged by them. He used this methodology and was able to see them. He saw them, but he was also damaged. He was hurt by them. And he was cured. So I don't have a lot to add over here. Just that we spoke before about Kriyat Shema being a protection for the individual, protecting them from the mazikin. And over here we have a discussion of those mazikin and how many there are and how much we really don't understand that Hashem protects us from. And the idea being that we're not even aware of all the things that Hashem does for us, all the goodness that Hashem does for us in the day because of the number of mazikim that are around us. And if we even made an effort to see it or to understand it, Maybe we would be so overwhelmed by that fact, and that's what the Gemara seems to be indicating over here. All right, Tanya Abi Ben Yamin Omer. Now here's the third memoir that we have from Abi Ben Yamin. Ain Tfilah Shaladam Nishmaat El Bebeta Knesset. Person Tfilah has only heard when he's in the shul. Shnemar Lishmo El Arina Ve'elat Tfilah. Here the song and the prayer. Ve'makom Rina Shamtei Tfilah in the place that there is song. That's the where there should be prayer. As Rashi points out, Makom Rina is Vebeit Knesset, Shishamarim Atzibur Shirot Vetishpachot Binimat Kol Arev. That's the place that the Tzibur says praises and song to Hashem in a beautiful voice in a nice way. And therefore, a place of Tfilah should be the same place that there is Rina, that the song is found. And therefore, there's a benefit or a necessity to daven in the Beit Knesset. Over here, the Rishonim discuss what is this Maila of Beit Knesset. There are those that think the Maila of Beit Knesset is because that's where the minion is. If you go to the shul, that's where you have a minion. So the Maila of davening in the shul is that you have a minion. There are others that say, and this is generally when you get down to the Psach it's the majority of all those that are involved in the Rishonim and Achronim, except for the tour who doesn't say this, but all others say that there's a Maila in Beit Knesset independent of minion. That means that if a person has a choice between davening at home or davening in the shul, both be chidut, and they're alone in both instances, better off to go to the shul to daven alone than it is to daven at home alone. Because the shul afford as a makom kedushah, and a makom that's designated for tefillah, has a certain level of kedushah that helps in terms of the acceptance and the quality of the tefillah that the person presents. And that's independent of minyan. So one maila in tefillah would be minyan, the other Maila and Tefillah will be a Beit Knesset. And this has major nafkuminot. This is really the beginning of a sugya that begins here on Vav Aleph, but shows up again on Zion and then on Tet again. Cumulatively, which points to the fact that there is a benefit, a Maila, an additional quality in one's Tefillah to daven in Shul and not outside of the Shul. And that's independent of whether there's a minion. Even if you have a minion outside of the Shul, even if you have a minion inside the Shul, there is a benefit of davening Shul. That is lost by people who daven in the minyanim, in, whether it's in people's houses, these breakaway minyanim, so on and so forth. These have problems in terms of not gaining this benefit that is mentioned here in the Gemara, of Ein Tefillah Shel Adam Nishmat Knesset. And therefore there is good reason to daven in shul, rather than to choose to daven in a minyan that is not found in the shul. Obviously if there are mitigating factors, like a Beit Avel, a Beit Chole, that make it necessary for a person to help out and to do a chesed in order to help that person so that they can daven or daven a minion, I think then in that case they could outweigh this issue of Beit Knesset. But all other things considered or all other things equal, it seems that pretty strong evidence of the fact that a person should 
davening in the shul over the option of davening outside of the shul. The Gemara continues, How do you know that Hashem is found in the shul? That God is found standing in the congregation of God. And where is the Adat Kel? The Adat Kel is found in the shul. And Rashi says that Adat Kel is Eda, which is a minion. Where is the minion usually found? The minion usually found in the shul. And therefore that's where Hashem is also found. And as the Gemara continues, from something that should be familiar to us from the Mishnah and Avot. How we know that when ten people get together to daven that the Shechina is present? That God is found amongst the Eda, Eda being ten, that we learn in other places from Din of Minyan. How do we know that ten, it creates a minion for Dabr Shibigdusha? We learn out of the word Eda that is found by Adat Korach and by the Miraglim. And just like by the Maraglim, the Eidah, the reference is ten people. So two over here, we're talking about Adat Kel, means in the minion Hashem is found. How do we know that not only when it's ten, but even when there's three who sit together to adjudicate a case that the Shekhinah is with them? The judgment is carried out in the presence of God. And we know the minimum requirement for a Beit Din is three. And that's how we know that Bekeru Lukim Yishpot here is referencing three. How we know the two people who are engaged in Torah, the Shekhinah is with them, Shneemar. Aznid Beru Yirei Hashem Ish El Releihu. We have Aznid Beru Yirei Hashem, those that fear Hashem. They are speaking Ish El Releihu, one to another. V'yakshev Hashem Yishma that Hashem listens to them and He hears them. So Hashem is present to hear this discourse that happens between these two individuals. The puzzle continues. So what is the meaning of the Choshevei Shemo here? That Hashem is writing down those that fear Him and those that consider or give Chashivut importance to His name. Even a person is considering doing a mitzvah. He has the thought to do a mitzvah. And for whatever reason, whatever duress causes him not to be able to do that mitzvah, and he didn't accomplish it, he wasn't successful, but the Pasuk says it's as if he did it. So that's what the Choshvei Shemo, those that thought to do, they will consider as if they have done. How do we know that even an individual who is Osik B'Torah, that the Kodesh Baruch Hu is present with him? That any place that my name is mentioned, I will come there and give a bracha. Where is the place that Askir Shemi? Shemi is on things like my mitzvot and my words of Torah. So that's the Azkarat of Hashem. That Azkarat of Hashem brings Hashem. And I will bless you. And that's in the singular form, showing that even when a single individual is engaged in the word of Hashem, that Hashem is present. So now the Gemara says, well, now that you got to that point, if you know that one person, Hashem, is present, why do you need to tell me that when there's two people, that Hashem is present? It says there's a difference, a qualitative difference between two people learning and one person learning. The Sefer HaZichronot comes to two people, their words are written down in the Sefer HaZichronot Hashem. As we mentioned in the puzzle before that we brought as a proof for two people are learning, it says, when it's an individual alone, that's not the case. It's not written down, not recorded in the Sefer Zichronot. If you know that two people, the Shekhinah is present, then Talata Miboy, you have to tell me about three. So the answer is really what Shaul pointed out before, that there's really a little difference there, because there it says, that has to do with adjudication and with the Beitin, 
So it's not just any three, but it's the three judges that seems to be what's the indication over there. And that's what the Gemara says. Madutena, Dina, Shalma, Ba'amahu. That I would have thought that the whole point of having a bait in is just to keep law and order. It's to keep peace. It's not a religious act. It's simply a civil act of keeping the social contract between people. So therefore, therefore Hashem would not be present. That the adjudication of a din is a part and parcel of a religious act of learning Torah, teaching Torah, and a life of Torah. Again, if I already know by three people that it's true that the Shekhinah is present, then why do I need to know by ten? There's a difference, again, qualitative difference. When it comes to ten, the Shekhinah comes first, and then afterwards the minion shows up. When it comes to three people, only once they've sat down to the din to adjudicate does Hashem show up. But in the case of Asarah, by the case of ten, the presence of the Shekhinah already precedes them. And that's based on the difference in the Pasuk, which is the Pasuk we brought for the ten was Elohim Nitzav Badat Kel. That Hashem stands awaiting Badat Kel for the congregation together. Whereas by the case of the three, it says Berkerv Elohim Yishpot. That Hashem will be present when they are being Shofet. So only once they're adjudicating, once they're present, the three of the Beit Din, then it's Bekerav Elohim. Then it's in the presence of God. So the difference of whether God precedes the minion getting together or he only comes once the three are present. And that's again the qualitative difference between three and ten. How do we know that Hashem puts on Tfilin? Hashem takes a oath with his right hand. And the strength of his arm. Bimino. That right hand is Zutora. Shnemar Mimino Lamo. That's written in Zota Bracha, describing Hashem's appearance at Har Sinai and the giving of the Torah. So over there it describes it Mimino from his right, Ejdat Lamo was given out the fire of Torah to his nation. Ubzro Uzo and the strength of his arm. Elut Filin, how do I know that's Tfilin? Shinemar, Hashem Oz Lamo Yutain. Hashem gave that strength to his nation. That's great, but how does that refer to tefillin? So, how do we know that that oz that was given to the nation was that of tefillin? Because the Pasuk says, All the nations of the world will see the shame Hashem that God's name is upon you. And then they will fear you. When we say that they'll see the shame Hashem is written on you, that references the Tefillin Shorosh. Now how is it, or why is it that the Tefillin Shorosh are the Shem Hashem? So Tosafot brings one interpretation, which is the fact that if you look at the Shem Hashem that is written on the Tefillin, the Shem of Shakai, Shin, the Dalit, and the Yud, the Shin and the Dalit are found with the Tefillin Shorosh, and the Yud is found by the Tefillin Shalyad. By Tefillin Shorosh, you have the Shin that is imprinted on the side of the Tefillin box, you have the Dalit, which is the Kesher, behind your head. And then you have the Yud, which is the Kesher Yud, that's on the Tefillin Shel Yad, that spell out the Shem Hashem. So since two out of those three letters are found by the Tefillin Shel Rosh, that is why it's considered to be like Shem Hashem is upon you when you wear the Tefillin Shel Rosh. Tosafot does not like this interpretation because of the problem that it includes the Ritzuot, the straps. And in many places we know that the straps are not of the same level as the Tefillin, and do not have the same Kedushah or same requirements as Tefillin. So how can you say that the Shem Hashem is spelled both with the Batim and the Ritzuot and the straps? They're not of the same ilk. They're not of the same Kedushah. 
Now, truthfully, many of the Rishonim disagree with Tosafot and say that the Ritzuot have a certain level or high enough level of Gdusha that they have a connection to the Batim, enough of a connection that that spells out the Shem Hashem. But Tosafot rejects it because of that difference and says that can't be it. Ella, the reason is because the Tefillin Shorosh are exposed. The Tefillin Shorosh are things that are seen by others, are a Siman for others. As opposed to the Tefillin Shal Yad, which we darshan the Pasuk, Vayu La'ot Al Yadcha, is that it should be assigned, La'ot Lecha V'lo Lachirim. It should be assigned for you and not for others. And therefore the Tefillin Shal Yad are worn, first of all, in, in a placement or an area where they're not fully exposed, as opposed to the Tefillin Shal Rosh. But in addition to that, the Tefillin Shal Yad, many people cover over the Tefillin Shal Yad, that the sleeve of their shirt, of their jacket, should cover over the Tefillin Shal Yad so that they are not visible. So the Tefillin Shayyad are the oat for the individual themselves, whereas the Tefillin Shayyad are an oat to the outside. And therefore the Tefillin Shayyad are representative of this idea of Shem Hashem being upon the individual. And because of that, the other nations are fearful of us because they know that you have the badge of Hashem upon your head. The Tefillin that Hashem wears, what's written in his Tefillin? We know what's written in our Tefillin. We have the four parshiot that are written in our tefillin, and it's obvious which parshiot we picked. We picked Shema Vayam Shemoa, Kadesh Li Kol B'chor, Why do we pick those four parshiot? Because in those four parshiot, there's the tzivoy to wear tefillin. Each one of those parshiot has a tzivoy of tefillin, so therefore each one of them makes its way into the tefillin. When it comes to a Kosh Baruch tefillin, what are we going to put in there? What are the parshiot that we're going to have in there? So here the Gemara makes the statement, that in the tefillin of Hashem it's written, that who is like your nation, Israel Goyachad Baretz, a unique and singular nation in the land. So Mara says, Does Hashem really take praise and pride in the praise of Bnei Israel? The Pasuk says in Parshat Kitavo, You have, where Hamarta is somewhat difficult to translate, but we'll use it as distinguished or chosen Hashem to be your God today. And the subsequent Pasuk says, Vashem And Mida Keneged Mida, or Quid Pro Quo, Hashem has chosen you today, or distinguished you today, to be His chosen nation. Reciprocal. We made Hashem into someone who's unique as the Hashem Echad. And Hashem looks at us as the Goy Echad, the Am Echad, on the other side of that. Or You made me into a singular unit, and I will do the same for you, and I'll make you singular and unique in the world. This puzzle that we quoted before that's found in the Tefillin of HaKadosh Baruch Fine, that works well. Now you got one parsha. But we know that we have four parshiot in our tefillin. So what are the other three parshiot of Hashem's tefillin? Sharbat Mai. What are you going to do with the other three batim that you have to put the parshiot into? So Amalei gives him a list of psukim. In parshat et chanan ki mi goi gadol asher lo elukim krovim elav k'ashem elokeinu b'chol karenu elav. And the subsequent pasuk is mi goi gadol asher lo chukim u'shvatim tzadikim chol atorah hazot asher anochi noten lifnechem ayom. So again, this focus on the uniqueness of Bnei Yisrael. Kimi goi gadol is one. Umi goi gadol, both found in last week's parsha, the description of the uniqueness again of Klal Yisrael and their being at the Mamad Har Sinai. Ashrecha Yisrael, Michamocha, uniqueness or a praise of Bnei Yisrael that comes from Kodesh Baruch Hu. And then the last 
Pasuk is again in Etchanan in the introduction to Mamad Har Sinai. Has there ever been a God who's tried to take a nation, Goy of Goy, again last week's partial, that Hashem building up to us the uniqueness of what Hashem did in order to make us a nation. So those are the psukim, we have four psukim over here. And then the Gemara says, the last one is, that to make you great or above all the other nations of the world. He's got way more batim than we have, because now you just came up with six parshiot that are found in the tefillin of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Ella, so you have to say, Kimi the first two, the Daimin Hadadai, since they're similar, they go into one bite by themselves. Ashrecha Yisrael, those two, since they are very similar in nature, they also go bechad beta. They go into one of the batim of a kodesh baruch Oh, and isalukim bechad beta. Then an isalukim goes into its own section, own bayit. The titchayon bechad beta and titchayon will be the fourth bayit of the psukim of a kodesh baruch hu. Vekuluk tivei beadrei. And when it comes to tefillin shaliyad, it has all four of those parshiot, just like we have in ours, which is a singular bayit that has all four parshiot written in it. So a kodesh baruch hu has the same tefillin that we have. Just what's written in our tefillin is our affirmation of the uniqueness and singularity of Hashem. And Hashem's tefillin is written, the uniqueness and singularity of Cloud Yisrael. There are those, both over here, the Mishkanot Yaakov, also in Menachot, attempts to line up the different parshiot of Shema, Vayayim Shema, Kadesh Li, and Vayakaviyacha with these four parshiot that are in Hashem's tefillin to show that there is a thematic connection between the parshiot that we have as well as the parshiot that Hashem has trying to line them up and give some sort of logical explanation for the choice of those parshiot that are in the tefillin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amar Avin Barav, Adam Amar Av Yitzchak Kol HaRagil, Avodah Beit Knesset, Velo Ba, Yom Echad, person who normally finds himself in shul every day, and then doesn't show up one day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mashil Bo. Hashem checks in after him, looks after him to see what's going on. Shinemar, Mi Bachem Yirei Hashem, Shomea Bikol Avdo. Amongst you, those that are Yirei Hashem, Yirei Hashem and those that show up all the time, that Hashem is used to seeing and are there on a regular basis, Shomea Bikol Avdo, that does what he's supposed to do, Asher Alach, HaShechim. Now suddenly he has disappeared, he's gone into the darkness, Vein no Galon, and there's no light left for him. So now Ve'im Ledvar Mitzvah Alach. If he goes for a proper reason, he's not in shul because he had to deal with a mitzvah or some alternative mitzvah that took him away from the ability to be in shul, then no galo, it's still light for him. In the Devar Rishut, if it was a optional item, meaning something that was not obligatory in terms of Torah and mitzvot, but he made a choice to skip shul, because of that Allah ain't no galo, then it will no longer be light for him, because as Pasuk continues, it says, Yivdach B'Shem Hashem, that he should have trusted in the name of Hashem, my time, what's the reason that Hashem is upset of him if he makes that choice? He should have trusted in Hashem, and he didn't. He made a choice to give up the opportunity of being in the presence of Hashem and to daven properly with the tzibur and the shul. And instead, he makes an option to go take something optional, something of a mundane nature to invest his time there instead of showing up in shul. Hashem sees that as a slight and therefore ain't no galo. The other way to explain it is that he should have davened. If he wants to succeed and he wants whatever he's doing to succeed, then he needs to daven. Just doing it is not sufficient. You need to daven first. And therefore, giving up davening was a mistake in order to pursue this item. Now, Amar Rabbi Yochan Meshash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Babi Beit Knesset, Velo Matzabah Asara. Hashem, as we said before, is that Elohim Nitzav Be'adat Kel. 
that when there is a presence of ten people, Hashem shows up. And we said before that when it's ten, Hashem shows up first. So this is the case. Hashem shows up in the Beit Knesset to the normal time that they're going to daven. He finds that there aren't ten people there. He gets angry immediately. How come I showed up and there's no man there? I called and there's no answer. I mean that Hashem expects the tzibur to be waiting for him. Not that he should be waiting for the tzibur to show up. And therefore, if he shows up and the people aren't there, the minion's not there, then the Kodesh Baruch was angry about the disrespect that is being paid over here by not having the people show up on time to greet the presence of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Which is almost a repeat of what happened at Har Sinai through the Midrash, where Bnei Israel showed up late for their communion with Hashem. And here in the Mikdash Ma'at, we're trying to rectify that and to do it the right way, so we shouldn't do what was done wrong at Mamad Har Sinai. So I'm Rabbi Chalva, I'm Rabbi Huna, call Kovir Makom Tfilato, any person who sets a specific place for his Tfilah, Aluke Avram Bezro. The God of Avram is with him or helps him out. Ukashemate, and when he passes away, Omrim Lo, they say about him, or the Girs of Rush is Omrim Alav, they say about him, what they say to him or about him, E Anav. Wow, this is, we lost this humble person, a chassid, we lost this righteous individual, he's a student of Avram Avinu, how do we know that Avram Avinu picked a specific place to dive and he went back to that same place again? Avram returns to the place that he spoke to Hashem prior, he had just spoken to Hashem about saving Stone Ve'amorah. Then he leaves, and the next morning he goes there to see what has happened, to see what has transpired, he goes back to the Makoma Shermad Sham, that he goes back to the place that he was originally. So you see that Avram goes back to the same location again. How do you know that when it says that when he stood there, Shermad Sham, that was referencing Tfilah, stood up and he davened. So you see that there is some sort of correlation between standing and davening. And therefore the standing over here by Avram is the same as referencing his place that he prayed. So in the location that he prayed previously, he went back to pray in that same location. What's interesting is if you look in the Prisha on the tour, he actually brings a different puzzle because the source. He brings the source from Breshit Yud Gimel Gimel. And there it talks about when Avram Ravina returns from Mitzrayim, that he went back to the original location where he started from. He goes down all the way to the south, and then on his return going north, he stays in the same places and eventually ends up back at the same location where he started from. So based on that, he says, that's what means, In terms of Biat Makom, others bring down that Biat Makom doesn't have to be exactly the same location, just to be within Daladamot of the location. Usually that means even the seat next to it, in front of it, in back of it, usually are within Daladamot, that shouldn't be a problem, it doesn't have to be exactly that seat. The second thing is, what is the maila of Kovea Makom Litfilato? So one, you can look at it in a more general sense, which is Kovea Makom Litfilato means that he goes to Shul. And that's what the Kviyat Makom over here is going to a Makom Tusha in order to daven. Or, the other alternative is that when we say Kovea Makom means that even within the Shul, he has a specific location where he davens. And the benefit of that is that a person who returns to the same location again and again, he has a sense of comfort and ease of mind that will allow him to daven without worrying about what's around him, what's happening around him, what he sees, what's there, it's a certain amount of hergel, of routine. If you take out certain decisions and uneasiness that allow the person to daven in a much more proper way, that's why there is an importance of kviyat makom. The other interpretation that's brought is brought by the Tamini Rabbeinu Yonah, who say that kviyat makom only applies when you're not in shul. That going to shul is sufficient. 
That's enough. You don't need Kviyat Makom. Because that is Kviyat Makom Kedusha. Where do you need Kviyat Makom? When you dive it at home. When you dive it at home, you have to have a specific location for where you dive in in order to assign that place as a Makom of Tfilah. And so this idea of Makom Kavua only applies, according to the Ben Rebiona, in your house or in a place that is not otherwise a Makom Kedusha. Since it's not a Makom Kedusha, you have to create that Makom Kedusha by assigning a location where you always daven. Whereas when you go to Shul, the whole place is a Makom Kedusha. It's all a place that is appropriate for Tefillah. And therefore, you don't have to be Kovea Makom. But many of the Rishonim believe that this is talking about a Makom Kavua, even in the Shul, somehow it enhances the Tefillah, whether that's from a physical sense, whether it's from, as Tzvi suggesting now, a psychological sense that the person then takes responsibility for his tefillah, doesn't say where he sat is the cause for the problem, or whether that's from a spiritual sense, that a person who goes back to the same location, that somehow enhances his tefillah. Again, we'll note, as many have before me, that that cannot be at the expense of others. That person's tefillah is only enhanced to the point that his midot are proper, and if a person does something that undermines someone else or hurts someone else in order to have that makom kavua, then certainly then... In Elokei Avraham is not Bezro. And we know Avraham is the Ava Chesed. And so therefore it must be that the Makom Kavua also comes with that Midat HaChesed. And the Midat HaChesed has to take precedence over the issue of Makom Kavua. Alright, next part of the Gemara. Amar Rabbi Chalbo, Amar Rav Huna, Ayotzeh Mibay Knesset, Al Yavsiyah Psiyah Gasa. Person who leaves Shul shouldn't walk in a hurried manner from the Shul. Amar Rabbi Lo Amram El That's only when you're leaving Shul. Aval the Meyal Mitzvah Lemerhat. When you're going to Shul, then it's a Mitzvah to run to Shul. Shinamar, and the puzzle here is quoted, it's, uh, interesting, it's quoted incorrectly, it's Vineda, near the faladat at Hashem. It's missing the word Vineda, which is the first word in the part of the puzzle. Vineda, near the faladat at Hashem. Then we will know, and we will run to get close and to know or understand Hashem. So you see this idea of being bodif, to run or to exert oneself in order to reach the point of dat at Hashem. So that's why it's appropriate to run to Shul. When I saw the Rabbana that were running to the Shir on Shabbat, Amina Kamachalin, Rabbana Shabto, the Rabbana are being Machalo Shabbat, they're running on Shabbat. Well, we know that from the Gemara in Shabbat, the Gemara in Shabbat says, Asur Shabbat. It's Asur to take long strides and to run on Shabbat. So I thought that was Chilo Shabbat, that the person is running on Shabbat. It's incorporated in our Zmirot that we say on Shabbat, Chiluchach Tehebenachat. When a person walks on Shabbat, he has to walk in a nice and comfortable stride, a nice and comfortable manner. He shouldn't be running on Shabbat. So I saw these Rabbanan that are running to the Shior, to hear the Shior on Shabbat, that they're being Mechanol Shabbat. But then it came in the Shaman al-Hahad, the Rabbi Tanchum, Rabbi Shum and Levi, but then I heard another Memra, the Olam Yerutz Adam, the Dvar Halacha, that's Girsa that we have here. Other of the Rishonim have a Girsa of the Dvar Mitzvah, Mafilu B'Shabbat. The person always should run to either hear the halacha or to hear do a mitzvah, even on Shabbat, Shinemar. Acharei Hashem Yelchu ke Aryeh Yishad. The chule, the chule is important over here, which is that Acharei Hashem Yelchu, they will go after Hashem ke Aryeh Yishad, like the lion that roars. And then the continuation of the pasuk is kihu Yishad, because when he roars, veyecherdu banim miyam, that those children will tremble in the west. So you see that Acharei Hashem Yelchu can run after Hashem ke Aryeh Yishad. Like the lion that roars. And so therefore, at that point I started to run to hear the shir. Because then even on Shabbat, it's appropriate to run to hear the shi'ur because that they should run after, or go after Hashem, like the way that the lion roars. When the lion roars, people are trembling, they're moving at a high speed because they don't want to be caught by the lion. 
So that sense of fear, but also need to act quickly, is also necessary when it comes to Avodat Hashem. So on that context, the reward of the pirka, pirka is the shear that's given on Shabbat, is riata. The running to the shear is the reward for most people. Rashi says that most people are not equipped to either understand the shear, or even if they understand the shear, they're not equipped to remember it for a long duration. And therefore, most of the schar that they take away from the pirko is the fact that they came, that they showed up, they're running to it. And we have now a number of memorals like that. The reward for the kala, the kala, again, are those shirim that are given before the regel, the major shirim, like Shabbat HaGadol and the Shabbat Shuva, those types of Shabbatot where the Rav gets up and Doresh Balachot HaChag and all sorts of Agadot in the Chag. Over there, the main reward for that is Duchaka, is the feeling or the sense of being in a tight quarters. And we saw that before, that they blamed that on the Mazikin that caused that to feel that way. But nevertheless, again, you have the same idea that we have by the Pirko, is that everybody who shows up doesn't necessarily gain all that much from it, or doesn't necessarily remember everything that's said. But the fact that they show up and they endure the tightness of quarters, that is the schar that they will get from it. Amrava Igra Deshmaita Svaro. That the main reward for learning a sugya or learning Torah is the svara. As Rashi points out, Shu yiga v'toreach, that he works hard and toils, u'mechashev, thinks about it, to havin, to understand davar. So to get to the bottom of the item, to go through it in depth and understand it, that is the ikar schar when it comes to learning. Amrav Papa, Igra debe tamya, shtikuta. So the different girsot here, some of them are Igra debe avel, that it has to do with the house of the Avel, the mourner's house, then the main reward there is silence, or Igor de Beitamio, the silence that is associated with the cemetery, that is the reward for taking care of the mate. So in each of those cases, we know by a Beta Avel, that a person is not allowed to start speaking to the Avel, but rather has allowed the Avel to engage them first. And therefore the reward is sitting silently until the Avel engages you, that's the main reward of the Beta Avel. Or if you say that it's Beitamio, has to do with Tumah, then that's the main scar for dealing with the mate is that one forfeits the time of learning Torah. He's not allowed to learn Torah around the mate as we learned already because of Loig Larosh Cherf Maaseu. So suspending his learning of Torah in order to give Kavod the mate, that is the main scar that a person has, that's silence. Amar of Zutra Igrid Tanita Tzidgato. The main reward for a Tanit is the Tzedakah that's given. And over here Rashi points out that Tzedakah is money that's collected on the fast that is used to purchase food for the Aniyim to break their fast on. So that Tzedakah, that Chesed, is done for the Aniyim, which again is the central role and reason for these Taniyot, then that becomes the focal point or the main reward that is granted in terms of Tanit, is the Tzedakah that emanates from it. The main reward of the Hesbeda, the eulogies that are given for the individuals, are the Dalue, Dalue are those that carry it up, the ones that cry and mourn for this individual, crying and screaming out and uh, focusing on the loss that's there as the main reward for the Hesbed in the point of eulogy. And Amar Vashi Igra de Mila. The main reward for Echatno is Mile, are the words that are spoken. Rashi says Mile, Lesameach Hachatan Bidvarim. 
It's to say things that make the Chatan happy. Making the Chatan happy is the main reward that one gets at the Beta Mishteh, at the wedding. And I always point out here, Rashi makes it clear that it's L'Samech HaChatan Bidvarim. It's to make the Chatan happy with what you say. And that means that the person not only with what they say, but also with what they don't say. So it's important to think about what not to say. It's also important to be brief, to carry on. If the Chatan is not enjoying it anymore, then it's no longer part of the wedding celebration because a person has overstayed their welcome in terms of speaking. So brevity sometimes is part of the Samech Chatan Bidvarim. Right now the Gemara continues. Anybody who davens behind the Beta Knesset is called a Rasha. Shnemar. Saviv Rishaim Italachun. The Rishaim walk around. They go on the back. That's only true if he doesn't turn his face in towards the shul. But if he turns his face in towards the shul, that is not a problem. So I'll come back and explain this in one second. How Gavra the Kamatsleachre Beit Knishta was this individual was diving behind the shul. And he didn't turn his face towards the shul. Chalaf Aluyahu Aluyahu passed by him. Chazya. He saw what this individual was doing. He showed up to him like an Arab merchant. You have two powers that you are praying to, that you are indicating here that wherever everybody else is praying to is not what you're praying to. Shalaf Safsara took out his sword, the Kaplan, and he killed him on the spot. So in terms of where this is, turns out to be confusion as well as a Machlok Tabishonim over here. Rashi describes their shuls. If you think about the Bavel, which is what we're talking about here in the Talmud Bavli, in Bavel, the shuls faced not to the east like our shuls, but rather to the west, because they were east of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore their shuls faced to the west. And so Rashi says that in a description of a shul, all the openings to their shuls were on the eastern side, because of the Tzibur is diving towards the west. You have to open the shul from behind the Tzibur. That's one of the Lacho to Beit that the entrance to Beit should be at the back of the tzibur. Me'ein mikdash mishkan, p'neim lamarav. Similar to what we had in the mishkan or the mikdash of diving towards the west. Ve'achorehem lemizrach. And the back of the shul is on the eastern side. Ve'amitpalel achorei beta keneset. Ve'ne machsir panav lebeit keneset. Ne'erke kofer v'mish atzibur mitpalelinam panav. So if a person who stands, according to Rashi, which is the achorei beta keneset, is the entrance to the beta keneset on the eastern side. If you stand on that side and face the opposite way, that is problematic because it looks like you're not davening to the same God that the Tzibur, tzibur is, is davening. In the previous Amud, in Vavod Aleph, there's a Tosafot there that describes Shittat Rashi. That Shittat that he describes in the Tosafot is not similar to what we have in our Rashi. Rashi Api Tosafot says that the person is actually standing on the western side. And he's standing on the side where the Aron is. And instead of facing in towards the Shul where the Aron is on the western side, he faces in the same direction as the rest of the Tzibur, but he's just that is back towards the Aron of the Shul. Tosafot obviously rejects that understanding of Rashi, and then gives explanation, which is similar to what we have in our Rashi over here, which is that on the eastern side is the doorway, and the person standing in that doorway facing the opposite way of the Tzibur. And now the Gemara continues to darshan that pasuk. What is the continuation of that pasuk that we brought before us? It says, Kirum... Zulut Livne Adam. They are like exalted vileness for people. Kurum, they're saying like to roam up above that which is in the heights of the world. And that's a play on the word Zulut, which means people are them, they denigrate them. 
Some of the Rishonim point out over here that when the Gemara said before that there are certain items that are omdim b'romo shalulam in v'yadam ezalzibahem that might be in contextually here referencing tefillah. There's certain things, tefillah, which are so important and so paramount, and yet the conduct of individuals in the face of tefillah is one of zilzul. They don't take it seriously and they don't, don't act with the appropriate uh, reverence for tefillah that should match the tremendous opportunity and kedusha that is associated with tefillah. The other possibility is that the possible the interpretation possible is that when a person then needs to rely on others, that he's not self-sufficient anymore, then his face changes a color to be like a krum. Shnemar, krum zulut levne adam. The possible that we just used said before, my krum. What is this krum? There's one bird that is out in the Islands of the ocean. Krum Shemo. Kevish Chama Zorechat. And when the sun rises, or Keshashemesh Chama Zorechat Allah, Mitapech Lekamagvanim, it starts changing colors. It's a chameleon like the bird changes colors with the sunshine. And so, the same thing over here when we're talking about the individual, when he has to rely on others, it's not self sufficient. His face changes many colors out of the embarrassment of needing to go to another person or individual to help him to survive. So, Ami Vervasi under Rayo Kilonidon Bishne Dinim. That person who has to rely on others, it's as if he went through two punishments, Eish Umayim, fire and water, Shnemar, Rekavta Enosh, Lerosheno, Banu Be'eshu Bamayim. It's as if we went through fire and water. When people oppress us, come to collect from us, to take from us because we're under their dominion. And that is referencing the need for someone to look to another human being for their sustenance. Christians always should be careful to dam mincha or have concentration when he dams mincha. That's the time that Eliyahu and Avi, when he was on Har Carmel and he was fighting with the Nevi Abal, that's when Hashem answered him. When he came around to mincha time, Eliyahu and Avi goes, Hashem answer me. What does it mean twice? Aneni, answer me. Aneni, shetereid eish min Hashemayim. Number one, answer me. And have a fire come down from heaven to consume the korbanot. And number two is, Vaneni, shalom yomru ma'asek shafim him. Also, help me or respond to me that people won't say that that was sorcery or witchcraft. Rav Yochan Amar b'tfilat arvit. Not only by mincha should a person be careful, but also in ma'arib. Shnemar, tikon tfilati kitorit lefanecha. So therefore you see that the tefillah is compared to like the gift of the evening time. That's talking about the tefillah of Arvit. In the morning, Hashem will hear my voice and I will lay out my needs before Him. So you see that there's tefillah that is associated with shacharit where Hashem listens and pays attention. Any person who attends a wedding is not misamech the chatan, is in violation of these five sounds or kolot. The word kol is used five times in the pasuk. If he does do that, if he does make the chatan happy, What's the word? He's to success in Torah, which was also given with five kolots. So you see the word kol here is also used five times. When it says, is that really true? 
כל העם רואים את הקולות, אותן קולות, כדי קודם אתם תרעבו. So yes, you're right, that כל העם רואים את הקולות, that קולות is an extra word קול, but nevertheless it doesn't count here because those קולות are referencing the prior to מתן תורה, the מעמד itself, but not the מתן תורה. רבל אמר כאילו הקריב תורדה, זה זה פיברד ה-Thanksgiving offering, שנאמר, מביאים תודה בית השם, they bring the Thanksgiving offering to the בית השם. Which is the introduction to the פוסק that we had before of כל ששון, כל חתן וכל כלה. רב נחמן בר יצחק אמר כאילו בנה אחת מחובות ירושלים. זה זה שבנה אחת מחובות ירושלים. שנאמר, כישיב את שבות הארץ כראשונה אמר השם. That it will turn the land to its original state, and that is in the context or in the same area as the פסוקים that we mentioned before about the חתן אין כלה. Anybody who has fear of heaven, his words are taken seriously and heard. What does it mean that that's all the individual? The whole world is only created for those that are fearful of Hashem. This individual is on an equal status like the entire world. That the world was only created to take care of this individual. Anybody you know usually greets you and gives you a greeting of Shalom, you should jump the gun and make sure that you give it to him first, that you should greet him first. Shalom You should ask for peace, and chase after it. And if a person gives a greeting, and you do not respond to that greeting, you are called a thief. It's you who destroyed the vineyards, are holding within your houses the theft of those that were less fortunate, or those that are poor. As Rashi says, If you steal from a rich person, it's called stealing. So why did Pesach only mention Gzilat Ani? You're stealing from an Ani who has nothing. The only thing you can steal from him is his self-respect, his ability to greet you and to receive a greeting back in turn. The fact that you don't greet him in return is the stealing from a poor person. Okay, we'll stop over here.